This is the Clovis Hills Community Church Podcast. My name is Pastor Sean Beatty, and I want to welcome those of you that are part of our physical community and the online community. In a moment, you're about to hear from one of our teaching pastors. But before we do that, I want you to consider giving to the ministry of Clovis Hills Community Church. You know, this podcast is now extended to just about every continent on the planet, and people all over the world are hearing God's word taught faithfully. Your giving can help extend that to more and more people. Also, remember us in your year in giving. If you want to give towards Clovis Hills, download the Clovis Hills app and just hit the give button. Enjoy the podcast. And guys, remember, go be the church. Well, you're in for a treat. I, I think it was a year ago, Todd, right? That Todd was up here and, and shared with us. But Todd Harris, he is the pastor of our uh, Celebrate Recovery Ministry. And he is a force of nature. I wish I had could have found the picture of his baptism. Because when you see his energy up here in a minute, you're going to recognize his that baptism picture of, of you and Dan Shingrin. He comes out of the water like this. And that's just how he is. Jesus has changed his life. So Todd, come and share with us. Thanks, Dave. Love you, brother. Dave. Dave is so humble. You know, he is, he is so humble. Your humility is like underwear. You, you wear it, but let no one see it. The reality is this. Dave's so humble that he forgot to mention that there is a card in your program that we would like for you to make a note on it and put it in the offering bucket about Dave. Some of you may be in retirement. You give him some wisdom. Maybe if some of you will never retire and you can say how lucky he is. Some of you may want to just make a comment and tell uh, him just how much you appreciate him over the years. When my wife and I came to Clovis Hills in 1995, Dave was one of the folks that greeted us. He's been such a saint, hadn't he? Let's give it up again for Dave, will you? Well, my name is uh, Pastor Todd. And they get me up here once a year. This is a two-part message. And you have had to come last year to hear the first part. <laughs> but before I go there, you know, these guys come up here, and uh, Scott always says, hey, welcome, 1040. Well, I want to welcome everybody on Facebook and say, you know what, if you're watching live, buckle up. It's coming. It's coming. This is going to be the message uh, at the end of this year that hopefully will change your direction towards God's will and way into 2020. But I know this. These guys come up here and they talk about all those teams down south. How about them Niners? How about them Niners? Let me tell you right now, you know, they need a little, little north side action happening. You know, that's going to be a great game tonight. I hope you guys watch it. Um, I'm rooting for the Niners, as you can tell. It's my team. But, you know, it's more than a team. Team Jesus is what we're going to talk about today. And you know, this two-part message, I really mean it. Last year, I talked about the greatest gift you could ever unwrap at Christmas time. How many of you had a great Christmas? Did you have a great Christmas? Because it was all about the Savior, wasn't it? It was about the birth of the Savior. And then last year, I talked about the contents of a gift. The content of a gift is what counts. See, he cannot just be your Savior. If he's your savior, then he's your shepherd. If he's your shepherd, then he's your teacher. 
If he's your teacher, then he's your friend. If he's your friend, then he's your healer. If he's your healer, then he's your benefactor. And if he's your benefactor, he's your king, priest, and prophet. It's a two-part message. If you unwrap that last year, then the contents of this message, hopefully, will make all those attributes become more clear into 2020. See, last month, we've had some great messages. Sean preached on love, those three aspects of love, didn't he? And he talked about agape love. And I had so many folks come to me. I run a uh, ministry called Total Life Change as well as being the recovery pastor here. And people were just warmed in heart and strengthened in spirit about that message. And then the next week, old Scott came up Old 1040, that's what I call him, old 1040 Scott. And he started giving this message about that movie, remember that? And he said, if you don't walk that love out, then you're not mature in Christ. And then to top it off, you get Mitch coming up after that great play that they had, and he gives the story of the Grinch's Stone Christmas. I've never heard it read like that in church before. And it talked about that Grinch that had that little tiny heart but on that day, his heart grew tenfold. And he came to know the love of Christ. So they bring me up here to clean up all the wreckage. <laughs> so I entitled this message, Happiness is an Inside Job. And I needed to give a little precursor of how that title came to be. You see, I grew up in a middle-class home, central Fresno. Dad was a principal, mom's a teacher. Had an older sister, two younger brothers. And I had this little toy called a big wheel. Anybody have a big wheel in here? Yeah. I mean, I had this big wheel. And I used to ride that big wheel in, the, in a figure eight around the cars in the driveway. And I'd ride that thing and I'd hear that little clicker. Click, 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 click. I just loved hearing that clicker, man. It was great. And one day I was coming around the regular driveway and I rolled it and I just got all skinned up. And I walk inside, and I'm crying, and my mom looks at me, and she says, Todd, you just need to slow down. I said, okay, mom. And I walk outside and get in that big wheel, and I hear that click, click, click. <laughs> click, 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 click. I just could not stop going fast. I mean, some of us just have that from birth, right? That's what I have. Anything I do, I go all the way. Anything I do. Balance is key in life. I didn't have none. I'm walking through life, you know, and I, I'm doing sports, and I'm okay in, in school, but I get, a, get, out of, get out of high school, and I go away to Cuesta College, and I'm working on my A degree, and I'm working over there, and all of a sudden, I start partying a little bit, partying here, partying there. If sin wasn't fun, we wouldn't do it. Remember that. If sin wasn't fun, you wouldn't do it. I had a little bit too much sin. I came back home. And everybody I knew, knew I needed help but me. But one day I realized I needed help. And I had to, tar- had to start examining my heart. And I went to the people that loved me the most. And I said, I need some help. They go, oh yeah, you need some help. <laughs> what do you want to do? So I checked into a three-day detox. And they made me go to these three AA meetings. I got my AA degree. It was called Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> I walk into Alcoholics Anonymous. 
I'm thinking, I don't need recovery. Please, please. There's this one guy that was sharing. Never forget him. He was always sharing the truth. At the end of his pitch, he'd say, happiness. I'm going, man, that guy's going to have a heart attack. But he would say, happiness, that's an inside job. I got sober when I was 24. I've spent the majority of my life working on that happiness. Because happiness is an inside job. It's not an outside job. I was trying to fill everything up on the outside, but it never, ever, ever sustained itself. I've been doing this thing called Silver Recovery for, since 2003 here in the Valley. I'm a state rep for Silver Recovery. I've been walking this journey for a little while now. Started an outpatient program. I'm a minister called Total Life Change. We're gonna have a run for Families in Recovery on February 1st, day before the Super Bowl. You're all welcome to come. Sign up today. Got some other literature there, but all that to say this. All that to say this. All of us are in recovery from sin. Not everybody gets a 12-step program. I get that. I get that. I'm good with that. But today, we're going to examine how happiness can be an inside job. First, we've got to look at false happiness. For many people, it may be watching reality TV. It may be eating out. Maybe the rush of getting paid. Maybe partying. Maybe buying clothes, etc. In the morning, you won't care how fun it was hearing your favorite song at the club. Reality TV won't leave you feeling peaceful with your life. Money won't ever make you feel truly happy when buying materialistic things. False happiness has an undertone of thrill, chaos, stress, and is short term. True happiness, that's an inside job. That brings peace and long lasting. In the handbook of synonyms, it states happiness is positive, an agreeable experience that springs from the possession of good, the gratification or satisfaction of the desires, or the relief of pain and evil. Let me tell you something. I was in a lot of pain when I was 24. I knew of God, but I didn't know God. So let me share the background as I set up this passage today we're going to talk about. It's the greatest sermon ever told. Bible check. I go into the rescue mission, Salvation Army. They always go, Bible check, Bible check. Now you can pick up your phone, Bible check. Because all the rules for living are right here. You want to find happiness, it's right here. <laughs> greatest sermon ever told. Matthew chapter 5. And what he says is, it's a sermon on the mount. Chapters five through seven. Jesus, in his magnificent wisdom, in his magnificent wisdom, sat on a hill one day. And with that, I'd ask you to stand as we read God's word today, if you can. I'm gonna read it out of the living transition 
translation, which represents God's active involvement as we read. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose heart are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing the right thing, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you, persecute you, lie about you, and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. You may be seated. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for such a time just as this. At 1040 at Clovis Hills Community Church, the end of December 2019, that your Holy Spirit would come now and just speak to every one of us as we anticipate your voice to our still and quiet heart that waits to receive it. We ask that in Jesus' name, amen. So in the dictionary, it defines blessed as blessed means bringing happiness or comfort. All of these have to deal with the inside, your heart condition. So today, as we examine our hearts through the way God sees it, it's a heart examination. As we look in, as we start looking into 2020, let's examine where we're at today so we don't, we don't take some of those ways that we knew were really not following God in 2019 and we can leave them at the doorstep of 2019 and walk into 2020. He can, he will, if you let him. Let's say it together. He can, he will, if you let him. Let's say it again. He can, he will, if you let him. If you let him. The Beatitudes tell us the values that Christ wants us to follow for a happy life. Jesus did not expect the world to act Christ-like. Instead, he calls Christ's followers to act differently than the world. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. We're going to camp out on that Beatitude today. There's eight ways to be happy, Jesus put on that mountainside, speaking right into his disciples. and Everybody was gathered there. It'd take all the way into 2020 for me to go through all the Beatitudes. So we're going to camp out on this today. This Beatitude we are focused on applies that we need to have the right heart. We need to have a pure heart before God. And you will see his ways in your life. So let's get to the heart of the matter. The heart stands for the center of the human personality. Involving the intellect, the emotional, and the power of choice. Let me say that again. The heart stands as the center of the person, human, uh, personality. The intellect, the emotional, 
and the power of choice. My dad used to tell me, you got a lot of choices until you make a choice. Then you'll have a whole new set of choices. I said that so many times in my family. When, when I start to say it, my kids finish the sentence. But you know what? I wear this right here. Molly. That guy made a bad choice that day. But she made the greatest choice of all. Friends don't let friends drive drunk. Remember that. This is why Jesus emphasized the purity of life because if the center of our life is holy, then everything else will be affected. He who attempts to change the outward without due attention to the inward is doomed to failure. Let me say that again. He who attempts to change the outward with due attention to the inward is doomed to failure. Jesus made it very clear. He made it very clear. Here's what he says. He teaches about this in Matthew 15, 7 through 11. Here's what he says. He says, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen, you have to learn to listen and listen to learn. Now listen. Listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile him, but what comes out of their mouth, that's what defiles them. Remember, what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. What's down in your well? Do you use your words to build people up or break people down? You see, this year, are you taking in to 2020 something that encourages someone else? In Proverbs 16, 2, it says this. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. You'll always get what you've always got if you always do what you've always done. Remember that. I meet with Sean every Wednesday, and I always say, Sean, Sean, Sean. You'll always get what you've always got if you always do what you've always done. He goes, man, Todd, stop, 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 stop. I go, so true. It's so true. If you take those same behaviors into 2020, you can expect the same thing. It's time to get a heart check. God truly cares about what we do. He cares just as much about why we do it. So, we're going to look at some motives. We're going to take a little diagnostic test today. And I want you, in your own mind's eye, I just want you to walk through these different areas. The first one is your activities. Let's just think about that for a second. Where do I invest my time and my money? Go online and look at your checkbook. You'll see exactly where you do it. How about your to-do list? What is your to-do list? Is God in there? Regardless of what we say, where we spend our time and our money determines what is first place in our heart. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. How much time do you spend on social media? Twitter, Facebook, sports, etc. How much? It's not that it's bad. You just got to have balance. You got to have balance. Do you wake up in the morning, first thing you do is look at your phone? Or the first thing you do is say, hey God, thanks for waking me up today. 
activities. How about anxieties? What do we worry about the most? Do I have anxieties over finance, food, fitness, fashion, furniture? And I'm not talking about fashion furniture. Those are the five, those are the five F's, okay? Finance, food, fitness, fashion, furniture, trying to please everybody, or just staying connected on Facebook to see who posted what. To see who posted what, you, you young folks in here? Is everything, is everything about who posted what? It used to be when I was a kid, we'd call people up if they want, we wanted to come over. You don't even talk anymore. Do you have anxiety over that? Do you have issues with families that keep you distant? Maybe a divorce that went bad and you're carrying resentments for years and this is the year you just say, you know what, I'm done with it. I'm gonna give that to God. Letting go of hurts, habits, and hangups. Letting them go. It's one of the hardest things you ever have to do. And everybody has them. No one's immune from them. And they cause anxiety. Maybe this is the you, you walk into 2020 and said, I'm done with that. Activities, anxieties, the last one is your ambitions. Three A's. My goals reveal the direction of my heart. Does your goals include God in your life? What's important to me? That's who my God is. Are your ambitions the same as unbelievers? Have you bought into the culture? Is there any difference between the world's ways and your ways? My dad told me this one time. He said, stop. He said, if you were in a court and they were going to try you, they were going to try you on being a Christian, is there enough evidence to convict you? I said, wow, dad. Wow. Or do you just fit right into the culture? There's no difference between you and someone else that lives in that way you know is not following God's will? That's the question. And you know, they bring me up here at the end of the year just kind of stirred up a little bit. That's okay. I'm good with it. In Matthew 6, 21, it says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Happiness, that's an inside job. Paul talks about this in Ephesians 17 and 24. Ephesians is one of my favorite books. He gives instructions for Christian living. Here's what he says. He says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separate from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. They have lost all sensitivity and have given themselves over to sensual, sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. Boy, you see it out there every day. It comes at you, presses it on you every day, every day. And don't think it doesn't. Then Paul goes on to say this. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him, in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds 
and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Happiness. That's an inside job. So you might say to yourself today, where's this guy going? Well, I'm going to tell you. Here's where I'm going right now. There's excuses we use, and I get them all the time. I get them all the time. We use to not really examine our heart. I used them. I said, oh, no, I don't need a 12-step program. Come on. Three days detox, I'm going to get well here. I'm done. No, no, no. Here's some excuses we're going to look at today. First one is simple denial. Simple denial. Pretend a problem doesn't exist. I had a guy come in my office to work on his drinking, and he said this to me. Everyone I drink with is an alcoholic except for me. I said, really? Wow. Amazing. That is simply amazing. Simple denial. How about this one? Minimizing. Acknowledge a problem, but ignore its severity. Here's where people admit they have done something harmful, but they say things like this. Oh, it really wasn't that bad. Or just get over it. Use that one. I've used it. How about blaming? Blame someone else for causing the problem. Some folks may use this. If you hadn't been such a nag, or if you'd just been home more often, I wouldn't have done this or done that. Right? Excusing. Justify our behavior, offering alibis. Example, well, I'm just too busy to let God be the Lord of all. He'll understand. Oh, he understands all right. And he pursues you with a reckless love. I mean, I had a guy one time, I was at Northwest Church. He drove by that silver recovery sign for three years. And it kept calling his name. It just kept calling his name. He comes into my office one day, he says, Todd, I've been driving that sign for three years and God kept telling me to come in and see you. I said, well, I'm glad you made it. I'm glad you made it. Today he's one of the worship guys over at our silver recovery. Been sober like 13 years. Wife was about to leave him. You see, he's relentless about moving your heart towards him. But you have to learn to listen and listen to learn. And when the student is ready, the teacher will teach him. When the student is ready, the teacher will teach him. But the problem is sometimes we as students, we're just not ready. Withdrawal. Become emotionally uninvolved and passive. Here are some sayings that come with the passive withdrawal. I wish... I never, I can't, I ought to, I'd better. I'm sorry about this, but if only, if only, if ifs and buts were candies and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas, right? If that, if this. Do you use that? Not allowing God to just kind of work your heart over walking into 2020? Dodging. Change the subject to avoid threatening topics. This has everything to do with tough love. This has everything to do with tough love. Tough love has three aspects to it. I get a little clinical with you today. You say what you see, 
You say how you feel, and you're not afraid to talk about it. Jesus Christ, on that mountain 2,000 years ago, gave a little tough love. He was saying what he sees, he was saying how he feels, and he wasn't afraid to talk about it. Even to the point where he knew he would have to go to the cross for me and you. You see, God is doing that right here, right now. He's taking time in your heart for you to examine it. There's one more that I used that was my favorite. It's attacking. Become angry to avoid threatening issues, intenseness. Imagine me getting intense. Can you imagine that? That would never happen, would it? My wife always says, Todd, you're just too intense. Well, one day, maybe about five, six years ago, you know, I've always used anger to push people away. But one day, I used my anger in such a way, and I never want to forget this day because it changed my life. It changed my life. I knew God, and I was following God. But I became so angry one day, never put a hand on anybody, but I got so intense, it made my little girl cower. And right then and right there, I knew, I said, God, I need to change. I need to learn new behaviors. I got to unlearn these old behaviors, and I got to learn some new ones that I would follow your will and your way. And I started walking into that. Now I teach some anger management classes because God will always use your weakness and he'll make it your strength if you let him. He can, he will, if you let him. Let's say it together. He can, he will, if you let him. And the reason why I know that he's working on me is because my wife gave me the biggest gift this Christmas. She said to me, she says, Todd, in the past five years, I've seen a total change in you. Last night, I was talking with my son. And you know, the problem is more is caught than taught. I've taught him how to get angry. That's the bad thing, right? So we're escalating. And I said, you know, Seth, right now, I'm just not going to talk right now. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm just going to hang up until we can talk a little calmer. I never used to be able to do that. I had to examine my heart. Happiness, that's an inside job. It's got to start on the inside in order to be exposed on the outside. So what's the result of examining your motives? You become an honest, transparent person of integrity with unmixed motives. You're not faking it. You will have the right motives in your life and they will spill over into your circumstances. What are you afraid of? There was a guy that fell off a cliff and he's holding on to this branch. He looks 500 feet down, he's going, oh man, it's a long ways down. He looks 500 feet up and there's the top of the cliff. And he's holding on. Help somebody. The voice of God says, let go of the branch. Is there anybody else up there? <laughs> what are you afraid of? I was afraid of it. Because it was one of those go-tos. I always used it. It was my excuse. It's just who I am. It's not who God wanted me to be. In Proverbs 4.23, it says this. Above all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. Let's say that together. Above all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. Happiness. That's an inside job. 
So today, there's a challenge. The challenge is this. There was a guy who owned a pet store. And he took off from his pet store one day. He's driving down the road in his truck. Stops at a stop sign. Gets out of his truck, takes a two by four, goes around to the back of his truck and bangs on the back of the door. Comes back in his truck, gets in his truck and drives off. Did that two or three or four times. This guy's following me. He goes, man, that is the weirdest thing. What the heck is that guy doing? So he pulls up alongside him at this next stoplight. He says, hey, buddy, I got a question for you. Every time you stop, you get out of your truck, you go around to the back, and you bang on the back door. He says, oh. He says, this is a two-ton truck. And I got four tons of canaries back there, and I got to keep two tons flying at all times. <laughs> See, that's what we do. That's what we do. We got to keep our anxiety looking good, our goals up there in the air, because they're not aligned with God, all these excuses. What happens when it falls down? What happens when it falls down? Because it comes falling down. I meet, I meet people all the time. It falls down. And you better have a good church. You better have a good men's, men's leader like Mitch or Liz, Harris, uh, Liz Fields or Sean or a sober recovery or a treatment program. Because if you don't, if you don't, you're going to fall right into the culture of this world and it's going to eat you up. It's just going to eat you up. Happiness, that's an inside job. So the challenge to this year is going to be to examine your motives and the excuses we use to avoid becoming pure in heart. Because blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Do you want to see God this year? Yeah. Do you want God to be a part of your life this year? Well, there's three ways you hear the voice of God. And I'm going to tell them to you. Through his word, through prayer, and other people. Let me say it again. Through his word, through prayer, and other people. He will speak to your heart. He will align your will with his. He can, he will, if you let him. So Jesus sits on this hill 2,000 years ago and gives the greatest sermon ever told. Greatest sermon ever told. You ever, you ever want to hear Jesus' psyche? Just read Matthew 5 through 7. Just read it. I mean, he talks about all kinds of things in there. Judging one another, divorce. But at the beginning, he says these eight ways to be happy. So I'm going to read these Beatitudes again and put happiness in place of blessed. Listen to what the Lord says. If you're a Christ follower, then listen to what the Lord says. God brings happiness to those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God brings happiness to those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God brings happiness to those who are humble, for they will inherit the earth. God brings happiness to those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God brings happiness to those 
who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God brings happiness to those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God brings happiness to those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. God brings happiness to those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God brings happiness to you when people mock you, persecute you, and lie about you, and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Happiness, that's an inside job. I want to recommend a heart specialist. His name is Dr. Jesus. He makes house calls. He doesn't cost a thing. He's never lost a patient. He's a pro in heart transplants. And he wants to give you a new heart today. There's a guy that before he had to renounce his faith and he took his life, he was an African pastor. My sponsor gave me this. See, I knew of God before I came into recovery, but now I know God. And once I came to know God, he changed everything in my life. And I would love someday to be like this African pastor. Before they took his life, he wrote this down on a scrap of paper. I've been reading this thing for 30 years. I'm going to read it to you. I'm a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have Holy Spirit power. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. My decision has been made. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I will not look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed, my presence makes sense, my future is secure. I am finished and done with low living, sight walking, chintzy goals, dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, prominence, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, or rewarded, or regarded. I now live by presence, lean by faith, walk with patience, lift by prayer, and labor by power. My faith is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions few, my guide reliable, my mission clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, nor meander in the maze of mediocrity. I will not give up, shut up, let up, till I'm stayed up, stored up, prayed up, preached up for the cause of Christ. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till I'll know, and work till he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he will have no problem recognizing me, 
my colors will be clear. I've been reading that. I've been reading that for years. I just said, Lord, when you come back, I just want my colors to be clear. That I don't fit in with this culture. That I made a difference for you, Lord. Because you changed my heart. Because I surrendered my life to you. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you've done in 2019. But 2020 is coming. I just preached myself to tears. God never wastes a tear. He never wastes a hurt. And he can take your weakness and he can make it your strength. Is this, is this the year? Will you stop, you stop all the excuses? You examine your motives. You plug into something that's going to hold you accountable. You're going to give your life to Christ and your life will never be the same. With every head bowed and every eye closed right now. Father God, the longest journey in life from our head to our Hi, this is Pastor Sean Beatty from Clovis Hills Community Church. I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. Hey, I encourage you to download the Clovis Hills app on your phone. With the app, you can do all kinds of things like prayer requests, live notes, giving. I also encourage you to check out our uh, Facebook Live page if, if you want to watch online. You can come to our services live. They're Saturday nights at 6 o'clock, Sundays at 9 a.m. and 1040. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast.